journey. It's time to talk with Liz and Peter. Good morning, my love. Good morning, my love. How are you? Uh, I'm well. It is 7.25 in the morning and I've been awake since 11.30 p.m. I could not sleep. Nice. So I got out of bed at 1.30 a.m. and I've just been up doing things in the middle of the night by candlelight like a psychopath. Yeah, yeah, like the psychopath. A Victorian era psychopath. It me. Yeah, no electricity, just psychopathy. I didn't want to like wake the whole house up with all the lights on, so I just turned on like a dim lamp and lit a candle and just went to town doing stuff. Did it feel old timey? Uh, a little old timey, yeah. Safer, you were also using computer? Yeah. There you go. That's my favorite kind of old timey. Yeah. It's almost steampunk esque. <laughs> if only your computer was powered by hot water. Oh my water. gosh. I love that. How are you this morning? I'm doing all right. What time was it that I came out and was like, what are you doing out here? You came out to check on what was going on with me around like, I think it was like three something. Okay. So basically since then, I've just been rolling around trying to sleep. So because my back is still derping. Oh, okay. Yeah. Like I feel like I felt around for you and was like, there's nobody here. I could stretch out really far on that side. That's weird. <laughs> and so then I got up. Aw, you missed me. Mm-hmm. So today you had kind of a confusing topic that you wanted to talk about. When you first introduced it, you wanted to talk about past lives. And I was already in Raring to Go to talk about, like, early 1700s, living in India, helping to found the Sikh religion, going to explain why everybody carries a knife. Whatever. You know, and then before that, I was going to talk about being a Mongolian, riding across the steppe on my horse, drinking alcohol made from fermented milk and living off horses constantly. And then I was going to talk about back when I was a Roman centurion in the time of Jesus and all that sort of stuff. I didn't see the dude. I just heard stories. And then before that, I was a Scythian okay, stop, nomad. stop, stop. We get it. We get it. But that's not what you want to talk about today. No. Okay, so why don't you introduce the topic then? I wanted to talk about past lives that we've led, and by that I mean we kind of all have different periods of time in our lives where we're doing different things and living wildly different lifestyles, kind of, and so have a life where they have a certain career. Maybe they're like a camp counselor, and they are single living in a city, and maybe this lasts like eight years. And maybe during that those eight years, they've had a variety of side jobs and lived in different apartments, but they've been living in a city as a camp counselor for the most part um, or a dance teacher. And then maybe they have an injury and they stop doing dance or they decide to move away from the city and move somewhere else. And then like they're a farmer or like they get an office job and it's like a totally different way of living, like a totally different lifestyle. So to me, it... it it's more than just having a different occupation. It's your sense of self, your sense of what your roles are and how you move about the world just change kind of drastically because your context changes. So that to me is what a past life is during your lifetime. Okay, so basically it's just like however you identify yourself. However you identify yourself. Someone during a period of time. Someone who's like single and 20 is not living the same life as if they're like, 
65 with three grown adult children and retired with someone. Those are completely different lives, like lifestyles and ways of being. Okay, well, so why don't you start and then I will follow up? Oh, man, I didn't want to start. Yeah, take that. Hey, I don't even know what you're talking about. <laughs> all right? That's why I need you to, to do like a, a, I don't know, a demo of this. I couldn't have been more clear. Yeah, okay. Sure. <laughs> As always. U- uses words that mean different things to mean something new. Then wonders why you don't understand when she tries to explain it to you. That's my MO. Yep, yep. Um, okay. So... I think I've only really had one past life, and that is I was a service industry person for six years or something like that, and several of those years I spent as a restaurant manager, essentially the general manager of a restaurant. It was a Fuzzy's Taco Shop, and... Do not give them free advertising. Do not say that name. Oh my gosh. Quit with the average, like, who cares? But yeah, it was a Fuzzy's Taco Shop that I was the general manager of. And that was truly its own life. My job, my life revolved around my job, and I loved my job. I really identified with it, with my role as, like, a leader in this workplace that I had a real sense of ownership over. I took a lot of pride in the store. I took a lot of pride of my, over my staff. Um, almost all of them I had myself recruited, interviewed, hired, trained, and tried to retain. <laughs> it's hard in a college town with um, in the service industry to retain your college-age staff, um, some of them in high school even. But I really felt like a mentor to those people, even those who were older than me honestly really like they looked to me in a lot of ways for guidance and I was like a leader and I I'm not like the most manual labor person like if you met me I kind of think I come across a bit as like a prissy bitch but working in a kitchen as some of you may know is really manual work and you know you're using your hands you're on your feet you're sweating it's hot you're cooking I don't even like to cook I'm not a great cook. I'm not even a good cook. Hey, hey, don't don't belittle yourself like that. You made delicious shrimp burritos. At Fuzzy's, right. By following a corporate recipe and like all the ingredients are like y- uniform and it's really easy not to fuck up. But like I was trained really well and I knew what I was doing because I was following recipes. But it was, it's just interesting to look back on. Uh, growing up, I was always really shy. And then, as a young adult, I wasn't really shy any longer. I was quiet. Like, I've always been a more quiet person. And so, to have to, like, just imagining myself running a store, being, like, the most, like, vocal person in the store, and the way we would call up customers to pick up their food is we would shout out their number that was on the receipt, like, yell it over the the noise of a busy restaurant and so kind of being this like quiet and historically shy young woman and running this store this restaurant um this kitchen uh, was 
quite the experience. Like, it was like a learning experience. It was an experience of leadership. And I don't know. I just learned so much about how, about how businesses operate from, from the HR perspective to the, um, like, I forgot the word I was looking for, but it's like managing all the resources and the products and making sure that inventory, inventory management and all of that, profit management, all just all this stuff that I kind of can't imagine myself doing anymore. Like I kind of don't remember what it's like to do that and I can't really imagine doing it again. It's almost like it's this weird dream that I had that I did for years and it seems so uncharacteristic that I can't really imagine doing it. So I don't know. It's a period of time that I take a lot of pride in and that I really cherish the memory of. But I know I made the right choice to step out of that life and make a transition to the life I'm living now as a grad student in a therapy program. And honestly, Peter, you're, you were the, like, like, what's that word for, like, defining moment of change? Like, you were the, the catalyst. Ca- thank you. You were the catalyst for me really taking that final step and making that decision to leave that life I only behind. knew that word because it had the word cat in it. Uh-huh. <laughs> but no, you really were the catalyst for me deciding to take this next step towards something that I really feared, which was going back to grad school. I had a fear of like, what if I fail? Hell, what if I succeed? And I have to, you know, try to make an attempt at doing the thing I think I'm destined to do, which is be a therapist. It's what I've always wanted to do, but I had a fear of pursuing it because what if I fail? What if I succeed and I'm bad at it? So there was a lot of like apprehension and fear and insecurity, um, wrapped up in my dream to be a therapist and you really like kind of put your foot down one day and was like I don't want to watch you like do this job anymore this job that's driving you insane and consuming your life and like you have this dream like go pursue it and I just remember that as a really defining moment so thank you for that yeah I'm defining you're defining yeah I define things okay. I know words Catalyst. Catalyst. Cat. Not a dogalist. <laughs> Iguanalist. Iguanalist. Axolotlist. Oh my gosh, now you're just getting crazy with it. <laughs> yeah. Um, your turn. I just want people to know that uh, in my mind right now, I'm thinking about an axolotl using an atlatl. And if you don't know what those things are, use Google twice. Oh my goodness. Oh, there you go. Advertising for Google right then. Yeah. 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 Okay, so my turn? Your turn. Okay. So yours was kind of serious, so I'm going to talk about a less serious stage of life that I've had. When I was in college, I got exposed to dance music for the first time. Mm -hmm. And for a period of my life, pretty consistently, I would describe myself as a club guy or a rave goer, that kind of thing. (laughs) Because, like, most weekends, or at least a few times a month, my group of friends would be traveling across the country to go, you know, so we're in the Kansas City area, so we would go to, you know, we'd drive uh, to Denver or to Austin, Texas, St. Louis, Chicago, Minneapolis, 
basically wherever's in driving distance and just go see like electronic dance music. And so my very first concert was, and I don't even, I don't know that this place still exists. I think they closed because of COVID, but uh, it was the Beta Nightclub in Denver. And we saw, oh my God, it was Ferry Corsten, who just plays like house and trance music. And it was awesome. It was great. Loved it. Had a great time. Um, I was with my friend Victoria and Tobin. And, oh, funny enough, a girl named Liz. Hey! And, yeah, we just drove out to Denver, and that was a really good time. Or maybe it was Cascade that was the first show. Either way, I've seen both of them at the beta. and I can't remember. It's been, like, 10 years now. Well, longer than that. Holy cow. It's been, like, 12 years. 13, 14 years. So, yeah, so that's how it all got kicked off. And then started going to festivals. And I've been to um, the Electric Daisy Carnival Five times now, I think. I'm imagining you in like neon pink spandex short shorts with your booty cheeks hanging out and candy bead necklaces around your neck. And yeah. You know, most of the time you're not far off with that assessment. <laughs> it would be it would be because like you want to be comfortable. So, yeah, I'd be wearing like little shorts you know, <laughs> and then like some sort of, you know, just I, so Normally, I would just dress kind of in like an athleisure sort of situation for as raves. You, as you tend to do as now. As I tend to do now. Um, but there would also be times, like, for example, the first time I went to the Electric Daisy Carnival was the last year that it was in Los Angeles. And it was at the Coliseum where uh, USC plays their football games. Mm-hmm. And so basically they turned the stadium into a stage. And then around the stadium, there were like four other stages, mm-hmm. something like that. And uh, TJ and Victoria were two people that I went with, and all three of us dressed dressed as scientists. So we had lab goggles, lab coats, and they were all decked out with just neon shit everywhere. Like there were there were glow sticks coming off of our goggles, and um, I think Victoria drew something on the back of her lab coat that was EDC related. Mm-hmm. What else? I don't, for a lot of the time, I don't think I wore a shirt underneath the coat. It was just like me in like little shorts with a long lab coat and goggles on. (laughs) And I love that imagery. Yeah. Just like the three of us dancing. And at EDC, there are carnival rides too. So, like, while you're waiting in line for whatever ride you're going to be trying to ride, you can still listen to music. You can still hear the stage, whatever, whichever one you're closest to. But then you like make friends with people as you're in line. And we were just vibing out, having a good time. And this, these two girls were like struck up conversation with us. And then we like kind of just became this like little group of five people going around after that. Yeah, it was really good. Also, first time I ever took uh, illicit substances was at the Electric Daisy Carnival like 12 years ago. Nice. Yeah, it was a good time. Uh, I have not done something like that in a long time. So I think Mm -hmm. that that would be relegated to the, the past life. Let's see. Yeah, just the camaraderie of those things. You know, Mm -hmm. more often than not, people there are just so happy to be alive Mm -hmm. and so just like so effervescent and just exploding with positivity. Mm -hmm. If you look like you need a drink, people will just offer you water Mm -hmm. just out of nowhere. It seems kind of weird now with COVID and like all that sort of stuff. But back in the day, I loved getting in a crowd of like, for example, EDC, like 120,000 people. And just, like, dancing and sweating all over each other and hugging random strangers and, like, just having a good... Singing along, you know, in groups of people and stuff like that. 
so yeah, so that was that was a good point in my life. Um, so yeah, went to LA for one of those. Went to Vegas for the other, however many that I've been to. Oh, got to be really good friends with some people who were DJs in our college town, and so they would throw like monthly parties uh, at this little concert venue where we all went to. And they would be so much fun. And then that actually got me into DJing as well. And a friend of mine and I, Matt, uh, started DJing together around Kansas City. Mm -hmm. And our very first show was in a hookah house in Shawnee. And it was just like this little place. I think there were maybe like 10 or 11 people in there. And we were just a train wreck, like could barely play music because it was our buddy who was managing and he was he basically said to us, hey, if you guys want to come play music, like I'll just give you free hookah. And we were like free hookah in exchange for us dicking around on all of this equipment. Let's go. Mm -hmm. And yeah, so that kind of kicked off just us going around to different uh, hookah houses. Mainly, I think we played like we, we were regulars at four different hookah houses in Kansas City. Uh, and then we would play like little shows like house parties and things like that. So it never got really too serious. It was just for fun. Um, but we also played a few of the small venues in our old college town. Mm-hmm. Um, and it was fun to have like people see us that we knew from school and things like that. I remember when you played, you DJed a show at Jazz House on Mass Street. Mm-hmm. And I came to see you. You invited me. Yeah. And you totally flirted with me after the show. It was cute. Well, yeah, that's because I was cool DJ. I was like, look at how cool I am. People, I'm cool DJ. I'm cool DJ. Like, <laughs> everybody wants to have sex with cool DJ. <laughs> Which is totally true. Oh, my gosh. Let me tell you. No, never got laid because of DJing. Mostly, <laughs> mostly would just be, like, really sweaty and tired after shows and just want to get, like, my free drink with my drink ticket from the <laughs> venue or whatever. Yeah. Or, like, smoke my free hookah or whatnot. But, yeah, so that was, that was a fun time in life. I don't really go to shows anymore obviously because of covid i don't really dj anymore i don't have any of my equipment yeah i feel like i just have an appreciation for it every now and then i I like to go back and listen to uh there's still like online music shows that some of my favorite artists from that era put out that are still going on i'm talking about these shows have been going continuously for decades now at this point and uh, like big shout out armin van buren big shout out above and beyond uh you guys are great love you and I still go back to their shows every now and then just to see like what's what's the, the stuff you know mm-hmm. what what is what's going on in this world mm-hmm. and it's still music that I enjoy listening to I throw it on whenever I have some work to do because you know for people who haven't listened to electronic dance music often it's really repetitive mm-hmm. uh, which is nice for me if I'm doing some sort of um, you know data entry oriented work where I don't really need to think creatively mm-hmm. or anything like that just sort of zone out and go into it. But yeah, that was a time in my life. It was really good. Looked back on it fondly. Made a lot of friends during that time. Had a lot of good experiences. Uh, saw a lot of the country. And yeah, good times all around. Very cool. Yeah. Got any questions? More like a comment. Let's hear it. You do understand my past life thing. You have one. Oh, it just took you, like, you know, doing a few minutes of explaining and unpacking and (laughs) redefining parts of the English language. And, yeah, so, like, after that, yes, yeah, I totally understand what you mean about past life. It's it's not me, you know, living on the Scythian plains, you know, riding my horse, swinging my axe. But, you know, that would be a different show. That could be a whole show unto itself. Uh, Agreed.